0: Well, we're about halfway through our series, Healthy, Discovering the Connection Between Faith and Health. And, and we've covered, th- we've had three weeks so far covering some big ideas. So we start with this idea that the Bible defines health as shalom. It's a Hebrew word that means total well-being. It's physical, it's relational, it's emotional, it's spiritual. All of that goes into this idea of healthy. And then second week, we talked that God cares about our bodies. He cares about our souls, but he also cares about our bodies. And often we can kind of think of our bodies as less important than our souls or our spirit. And then last week, we talked about this idea that health is a matter of stewardship. That's a, that's a word that's used in scripture to talk about taking care of something that isn't ours. And God gives us these bodies and expects us. He actually expects us to not just take care of it, but use them for good, to multiply ourselves some way, some way bigger than just our own physical bodies. So, so those are three the three topics we've talked about. The next two weeks, next two weeks we're going to talk about two of the biggest sins that are damaging our health. So these are two of the, the sins, commonly known as the, the seven deadly sins, if you've heard of that, and no, not the breath. um Morgan Freeman movie, not that one, but the seven entities. We're going to talk about two of them. So we're going to go kind of old school in some of these these ideas. And today, today we're talking about gluttony. Now my guess is, you might have spent your entire life going to church. Chances are you probably have not heard a sermon on gluttony. I certainly haven't. I didn't even really know where the Bible, I knew it was in there, but I didn't really know what the Bible had, in and I knew it was bad, apparently. Okay, so, so part of this is us discovering, it's rediscovering, reigniting an old-time church word of gluttony. So when you think of gluttony, uh, immediately one of the things that comes to mind when you think of gluttony is Thanksgiving. Okay? Now for me, it, it was one particular Thanksgiving. I was around seven or eight, and, and now I grew up going on my mom's side of the family. We would always do Thanksgiving together. And, and my grandparents are first-generation Norwegians, um, and part of any good Norwegian Thanksgiving or Christmas or holiday is this amazing, delicious food
1: called lefse.
0: Now, all you, want, you know, you probably, most of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but for my white folks out there, I'm guessing some of you grew up with some lefse, and it is delicious. You put butter and some sugar, some cinnamon, maybe some, some berries in it, and you eat it. Every Thanksgiving, I looked forward to lefse. Homemade, my grandma would make it right there on the skillet, it was delicious. Well, one particular Thanksgiving, I was really jonesing for lefse. And I started eating lepsa and I did not stop. I ate so much of this I actually got sick. Like I threw up, thankfully not at the table, but I hurled in the bathroom, I had to go lay down. I was was so sick to my stomach because I ate so much lepsa. And it was this classic case, as I think back about, it's this classic example of too much of a good thing, no self-control, and then suffering the consequences of it. Now, I was just a kid, like I said, seven or eight, and it's a good thing I never do that anymore now. Well, one time I do, the one case I really do do that is homemade egg rolls. Now, the Yang family egg roll recipe is the single best egg roll in all of the world. Now, you might think your, your family has the best egg rolls, but you're wrong. Yang Zang egg roll recipe. Delicious. And it's true, man. Like, I just lose all sense of self-control. I eat three, four, dozen. <laughs> and it just I just keep because they're they're fresh out of the oil and they let cool just a little bit. And like they're oh, they're crunchy and they're soft and oh. Yeah, and so it's I I go back to be that same eight-year-old kid. No too much of a good thing no self-control, and I always end up at the end being like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have eaten so much.
1: But it was delicious.
0: <laughs> uh, but it's true, man. So, like, so what about you? When you think about gluttony, what do you think about? Is there a particular food that you just can't resist? Maybe it's a holiday, a family gathering, or maybe it's for you it's snacking. You just pop open the family size bag of Doritos and go to town on it. And you end up with just crumbs by the end. Maybe it's desserts. You can't pass up delicious baked desserts and creamy and fruity and all of that yumminess. Yeah, now we're all hungry, man. (laughs) Um, Or maybe it's not food at all. Maybe your struggle with gluttony isn't food. Maybe it's drink. Maybe you know, you know you go out and you drink too much. You've had friends tell you you go out and you drink too much. If you ever go out drinking and come back the next morning and don't remember how much you drank, you drank too much. Okay. So maybe for you it's drinking. Okay. Or maybe maybe it's maybe you're a glutton for Netflix or gaming. You can binge watch, you go back and like binge watch Sabrina, Sabrina the teenage witch all night. Okay. Or maybe you can game for hours and you end up like staying way, staying way up too late and you're exhausted for work the next morning or you're late for work the next morning. There are all kinds of, we live in a world surrounded by things that we can be gluttonous toward. So, so we have to kind of ask this question of what is gluttony? Because chances are there is some part of your life where you do too much of a good thing, you do not have self-control, and you suffer the consequences. Child, Greg, it was lepsa. Adult, Greg, it's homemade rolls. What is it for you? Well, today my hope and my desire is that God will be able to speak into these areas in our lives to bring some healing, bring some reorientation for us. So what does God say about gluttony? What does God say about blood? It's supposedly one of these seven deadly sins, which on a little side note, um, that actually isn't right out of scripture. This was some some doctrine that was developed very early on by the Catholic Church. Um, There's kind of a verse that's based off of, but it's not really. So don't make too much of this idea of the seven deadly sins. It's a sin like anything else. And it's not, it used to be believed, if you've ever wondered why they were called the seven deadly sins, it used to be believed that these were unforgivable sins. But the Bible is clearly, very, very clear, there is there is only one unforgivable sin, and that is rejecting God and his Holy Spirit. Okay? So this is not a deadly, unforgivable sin. But it is still a sin. So what does the Bible say about what how are we supposed to understand this? So to help us out, I'm actually going to turn to a Catholic priest. I found this guy on YouTube called Father Mike from Ascension Ministries, and, and he's got a series of videos, and I thought he did a great job talking about, about gluttony. So, so the video is about six minutes long. Sit back and relax, and we can listen a little bit to Father Mike.
1: My name is Father Mike Schmitz, and this is Ascension Presents. One of the things, I think, that keeps a lot of people from God is we think that God has prohibited joy, right? He has all of these no's, these big things he says no to. And so it seems like, at first glance, well, I don't know if I wanna follow God because it seems like everything that I want to do, everything that brings me joy, he says no to. But here's the interesting thing. The more closely we look at this, we realize that God has not prohibited joy. God wants us to enjoy good things In good ways, wants us to enjoy the right things in the right way. Our problem is this our problem is we actually need these rules, these laws that God gives us because we don't know how to enjoy ourselves. I mean, how many times have you been in the kind of situation where you found something you liked? I like um, nacho cheese Doritos. The first couple, you're like, oh my gosh, this is insane, this is so good. And then all of a sudden, you get to the bottom of a family size bag and you think, what happened with the rest of these Doritos? And um, why am I not enjoying them? Here's what happens when we don't have. The ability, we don't have the ability to say no. We don't have the ability to enjoy the right things and in the right way we don't actually have the ability to enjoy stuff. We end up having two things. One is we don't enjoy life and we become slaves to something. This is actually the uh, the rarely confessed sin of gluttony or the sin of intemperance, right? Um, gluttony is I don't know how to say no. Intemperance is I'm not able to say no to the right thing at the wrong time or the wrong thing at any time. I can't say no to myself. Gluttony doesn't necessarily come down to just quantity. It's at least four things. It's quantity, quality, when and why. Quantity, yeah, absolutely. I can eat a ton of stuff. That's my Dorito thing. Where it's like, you know, too many. Actually, gluttony or intemperance can also be, you know, I I found a a TV show on Netflix. It's super good. And so instead of watching one or two episodes, it was actually 3 a.m. now. And I need to go to bed because I can't stop watching this. That's intemperance. I've taken it in in such a way that my ability to enjoy something is now lessened. The thing itself is probably still good. It's probably still a good TV show. But my ability to enjoy it has been, I've, been, I've given it away. Because of why? Because of gluttony, because of intemperance. So, quantity. The second one is quality. Now, this is one of the things that C.S. Lewis points out in his book, The Screwtape Letters, where he, he has the patient, you know, the, the person that is being tempted by the, the devil, um, by the demon and the patient's mother, and he said, the patient's mother would never consider herself to be a gluttonous person, because she doesn't eat a lot of food, but she always needs to have food prepared for her in just the right way, and that's the big thing, is quality. Now, you can have this, this happens a lot of times when it comes to kids, right? Kids say, oh no, I can't eat those eggs, they're too runny, or I I, I can't um, eat this food, it's just too gross, or I don't like it this way, I like it that way. That's why Aristotle called um, gluttony, or intemperance, a childish vice. Call that a child advice, because it makes us like children. I don't necessarily want a lot of it, but I need to have it just the way that I like it. And if it's not just the way I like it, then I am not happy. (sighs) So quantity, quality, when? I'm sure we've all had the experience of at one point becoming hangry, right? Hangry, where you're hungry, and because you're hungry, and you're not getting any food, you're angry, so you're hangry. I don't just want a lot. I don't just want it the way that I want it. I want it now. And I can't wait. You know, there was this um, experiment back in the day where they uh, brought these children into um, a room and set them at a table, and on a chair, and on a plate on the table, way in front of them was like a marshmallow or a cookie. And they said, if you wait here, I'm gonna leave this researcher, I'm gonna leave. And if you wait, when I come back, if you haven't eaten the marshmallow, if you haven't eaten the cookie, I'll give you two marshmallows or two cookies. But if you cannot, you can eat it now. If you eat it now, you only get the one. And so they leave the room and they have a camera, you know, recording these kids' reactions. Some of them are like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll just wait. I want to, so I'll wait. Others were like, oh, you know, I'd eat it right away. So others were like, they just were, I and mean, there's some kids like rocking back and forth, other kids covering their eyes, one girl sitting on her hands because, yeah, I don't want to take this. This internal battle, right? That's intemperance. As human beings, we're called to be free, called to greatness, called to be able to say no to ourselves. And we get to the place where we can't say no to ourselves. I can't wait. I can't stop. I can't say no. That's why Thomas Aquinas, I think, would we'll call it the most disgraceful of all the vices, because it just—it takes us from being—we're made—we're made to be human beings completely free to be able to say no, so we can say yes. We become slaves. So the quantity, the quality, the when, and then the why. How many times have you and I been in a situation where, why am I drinking this? I don't know. I don't know. I just want, a drink. I want to drink. Why am I eating this? I don't know. I just want to eat. Why am I watching this? Why am I consuming something, right? This can be media. It can be music. It can be food. It can be anything. I'm just consuming. Why? I don't know. And if I do that, often I become a slave to that. Not only that, I cease being able to really enjoy stuff. Remember, God isn't prohibiting joy. He wants your joy. He wants us to experience this incredible world he gave us in joy but that's going to require saying no. So here's my invitation. My invitation is, today, say no to something. Say no to yourself. Say no to some kind of appetite you have. Not because like, oh, I need to punish myself or I need to discipline myself. I'm saying no to this good thing so I can say yes to freedom and so I can say yes to joy. Does that make sense? Okay, hope so. Anyways, (laughs) from all of us here to his intro presents, my name is Bob Mike. God bless.
0: So, so there's a little introduction to gluttony. Let's take, let's take a look at what the Bible says about gluttony. So the first and foremost, the prominent theme around gluttony is the idea of eating too much. And Proverbs is is one of the, the biggest places that talks about gluttony. So we're going to look at a few passages in Proverbs. We're going to start with this one out of Proverbs 23, 1 through 3. When you sit to dine with a ruler, know well what is before you, and put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. Do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. So I love this passage for two reasons. First, it's so blunt you know, if you know your gluttonous, if you know you love to eat a lot, put a knife to your throat. Take the knife off your steak and put it to your throat. Like, the, the, like how is that a better thing? But that's how serious gluttony is in the face of temptation when you are tempted by that thing that you can't control yourself over. So that, that's the first, I, I love that phrase, just put a knife to your throat. And then the other one is brilliant is the the last line, but that food is deceptive. That food is deceptive. And if you've ever gone to the kitchen because you're, you're upset, you're stressed, you're bored, you're hangry, if you've ever gone to the kitchen and eaten or drank to fix an emotion, you know that food is deceptive. Because food promises to make us feel better. Food promises to kind of to to take the bad stuff and and put it away. And it might work for a few bites, but if, if you keep going, the food promises, but rarely delivers what it promises. That food is deceptive. Our food lies to you. The food industry lies to you. And we all and I have kind of bought into this lie of how food can make us feel better. And then we start into that vicious circle of too much of a good thing. No self-control and suffer the consequences. A little later in that same chapter, in 23, it, it has this verse. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat, for drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags." So first, I I just laugh that that this, this might be the first historical record of a food coma. So yes, the Bible talks about food comas, warns us against food comas, okay? But man, like, doesn't that just sound miserable? That that is not the promise that food gives. The idea of Chinese buffet before Chinese buffet is always so much better than after Chinese buffet. Because we've built this up. Half price happy hour sounds awesome. Great way to wind down from a hard day at work. After far more than your share of half-priced drinks, all of a sudden happy hour isn't sounding and feeling all that good. And that's that's the promise and the failure of food and drink and of, of what we think it can do for us. And here's kind of a reality check of sort of a pretty miserable result of gluttony and drunkenness. I've yet to encounter anybody who loves their life of eating way too much or getting drunk all the time. I've never met a person who loves that part of their life. And that's and this is why. So So, there's another verse also in Proverbs. And I like this one because it's Proverbs is wisdom. So, this is just a good piece of wisdom. If you find honey, eat just enough. Too much of it and you'll vomit. Yeah, I could have used this as a seven-year-old. And I, I joke, but it's actually great eating advice. Think about that. Think about if we all... When we found something awesome and delicious, just eat a little bit of it, enough to enjoy ourselves and then go on with life. How much better, healthier, smaller waistlines? like How much better would it all be if we really took this advice to heart? And now, what's fascinating about this is notice it doesn't say don't eat it when you find some honey, when you make egg rolls. It's not saying don't eat it. But it says just eat a little bit. Enjoy it. And then stop. Or you'll puke. So so those are a few of the verses. There are more that kind of along the same theme of eating too much. But you know, there's something about gluttony that's actually deeper than simply eating too much. There's something that is far deeper, far more dangerous, and I think that's re- it's really the reason why gluttony, God calls gluttony a sin. I don't think it's so much about the eating too much of one thing, or drinking too much of one thing, but there's a root to it hurts us, it hurts our families, it hurts our relationships, and it hurts our relationship with God. So there's there's this incredible uh, passage out of the book of Philippians that touches on the spiritual side of gluttony. Because up to now we've just talked about the physical side, but there's a spiritual side to gluttony. And it's the spiritual side where that really makes it such a destructive sin. So there's this, this passage in, uh, sorry Philippians, and it's describing um, what Paul characterizes as enemies of Christ, or enemies of God. And so here, let, let me read it to you. Talk about these enemies of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Their God is their stomach. Now, this doesn't mean like they're actually worshiping their stomach, because I think if that were true, I'd probably end up, I'm a little more Buddhist. Or, okay. Yeah. So we're not actually talking worship. But this is metaphorical language that Paul is using. And but what's amazing about this metaphorical language is it focuses eating too much on desire and worship. That's why gluttony over the years has also been called food worship. Food worship. It's when we turn to food, turn to eating and drinking for the satisfaction that God really only gives through Christ. Uh, So, uh, Father Mike mentioned this guy, Thomas Aquinas, he was an early church father of the 1200s, wrote some some very significant theological treatises, um, and he described, Thomas Aquinas described gluttony as disordered desires. And I think that's a really profound description because what he, what he touched on, what he realized, and what this passage in Philippians talks about is that gluttony is about our desires that have gotten out of whack. You know, you drive your car long enough and you hit a few potholes that a curb now and then, and your tires get out of alignment, and if you let that go long enough and they start wearing incorrectly, it and it's just a mess and you have to replace the whole tires. Okay? That's kind of what happened with our desires is dependent on where you focus your desires. What are the things you want out of your life? Where do do you put your money? Where do you put your time? Where do you put your attention? Where do you put your eyeballs? All of that is reflective, that reflects your desires. And if we have enough stuff in our life, enough desires that are earthly, what's going to happen is our desires are going to get out of order. They're going to get out of whack. And all of a sudden, where we should be desiring God, we start desiring comfort. We start desiring food. We start desiring the quick fix. And so that so that's what happens. And that's the spiritual side of gluttony, is our desires are all out of whack. Where we should be desiring God, we turn to something else. If we're bored and we want to feel that sense of life, that sense of joy, we eat something we enjoy. If it was a bad week of work and you want to to forget the week of work, you drink enough so that you can forget the week of work. Instead of turning to God for the joy or turning to God for the comfort and the restoring after a bad week of work. And so that's where gluttony, and that's the spiritual side of gluttony, is we, we have disordered desires. So how do we get those desires back in order? How, how can we avoid gluttony? The physical side of gluttony, of eat, eating or drinking too much of a good thing, or watching or any of that, too much of a good thing, no self-control, and suffering the consequences How can we avoid that? And even more importantly, how can we avoid turning to to food and drink when we should be turning to God? Well, I got five ways to help us out here. Five ways to combat gluttony. First, start off with this: is remember that self-control is freedom and gluttony is bondage self-control is freedom and gluttony is bondage see we reverse that whenever we feel like we shouldn't do something because God says we shouldn't and it's a sin we feel feel like we're losing out if if we don't eat our money's worth at buffet then we feel like we're losing out If if, if we miss going out with our friends after work we're missing out we're missing out that fun of whatever, that feel good That seems like freedom, but it's not. Self-control is actually freedom. Because my bet for every single one of us in here, we are slaves to something. We are slaves to something we eat, drink, watch, or do. And that's not freedom. So one is to remember that self-control is freedom. And gluttony is bondage or addiction. Second, second, nothing to remember. Remember that self-control is a gift from God, not the result of trying harder. Now, don't get me wrong. You have to try. I mean, you can't stuff your face with hot dogs every day and then ask God for (laughs) self-control. It doesn't work. You have to, like, skip a hot dog now and then. so don't get me wrong but fundamentally at its core what is your strategy is your strategy to try harder or is your strategy to ask God for help turn to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to give more of your life over to him so he can in turn give more of his life to you you still have to try you still have to work I mean we have to go to the gym we have to make smart choices at the dinner table but at its core, what are you really relying on? Your strength and your hard work, or God? Third, set aside time for an occasional fast. Now, I I have kind of a mixed history and a mixed relationship with fasting, and I've had some good times, some bad experiences, Um, But fundamentally what fasting does is it breaks, it interrupts our relationship with food. And all of us, all of us, chances are, have a complex relationship with food. Or if downright, dysfunctional. So that's what fasting does, Is is it disrupts the unhealthy relationship and it begins to break some of those addictions and some of those bondages that we have in our flesh. Now, while you do that, also remember, set aside time for occasional feasting. Did you know that God actually commands feasts? If you go through go through the, the, the religious calendar of the Old Testament, there are times where God actually says, feast for days on end with the choice meat and the choicest wine because there are times where we're meant to celebrate God. So there are times for feasting but feasting and this is where the Bible paints a very clear picture a difference between feasting and debauchery or eat a lot, drink a lot and usually with debauchery there's sex a lot also. All three of those often go together. But God commands a feasting. So there are times to celebrate. There are times to celebrate. But again, be careful. When you're sitting at the ruler's table, that food is deceptive. Put a knife to your throat if you're given to gluttony. And lastly, and this one, and I acknowledge, this one sounds. A bit cliche. It sounds like exactly what you would expect a pastor to say. But lastly, fill yourself up on Jesus. Fill yourself up on Jesus. Because the more you are lacking of Jesus filling you up, the more hole you have, the, the more giant vacuum you have in here that wants to fill that hole where Jesus really belongs. And so I don't know what it looks like for you to fill up on Jesus, but I can pretty much guarantee it's going to involve Scripture. Whether you read Scripture, listen to Scripture, watch Scripture, it's going to involve God's Word and filling yourself up. It's going to involve some time of sitting down and asking God to fill you up. It's going to involve some time of, of giving yourself over to the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit lives in you. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit has full reign of your life. You might keep the Holy Spirit locked up in a little room. That's your like Sunday room. You might need to open some doors in your house. You might need to let the Holy Spirit into some other rooms, into more of your life to fill up more of you because the more empty you are of God the more you're going to try to fill that up with something else and the more you fill it up the more you go headlong into gluttony the sin of gluttony food worship so, I want to be a congregation. I want to be a congregation that is full of Jesus. Or at least working on figuring out what full of Jesus looks like in our lives. Because then I think we will be healthier. We'll certainly be spiritually healthier, and I believe we'll be physically healthier as well. I know I would be physically healthier. If I would be able to beat emotional eating, I probably will have conquered like 80% of my health baggage and my unhealthy stuff. Um, I wish I had a good answer for that yet. I don't. Um, If you do, if you've conquered emotional eating, please come talk to me afterwards. Um, But God wants to bring us hope. He wants to bring us healing. Into the ways we hurt our bodies and we hurt our relationship with Him. Please join me in prayer. God, we acknowledge, we take this time to say that we are yours. We do not belong to ourselves, our decisions are not our own. We are yours. God, we we cry out to you for help, Lord, to avoid the sin of gluttony. Lord, help us see the areas in our lives where we are turning to, to food or drink when we should be turning to you. Help us have the courage to make good choices and do hard things. Holy Spirit, inside us, Empower us. Take over our lives. Take over our bodies. Take over our choices. And empower us. To live the full. Conquering victorious lives. That God desires for us. God I thank you. You love us. You love us regardless of our weight. Our shape and our size. And you love us not for anything that we do. But exactly for who we are your creation. I pray this in Jesus' name.